that's how you can grow and build your empire by building this authentic engagement, by focusing on what you thrive in and making that your statement for whatever empire you want to build. Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. All right, let's get right into it. Welcome, everybody. My name is Aria Devachi. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Um, If this is your first time joining us for our monthly series, I want to take a beat and introduce you to Do the Work, which is the organization for which I am the programming director. Do the Work is a nationwide organization um, and community that is aimed at creating sustainable and meaningful change for the LGBTQ employees working in marketing, advertising, and all of its adjacent industries. Um, We do this once a month on Fishbowl. We host these conversations. I'm always here with guests from a wide range of different expertise uh, to talk through topics that I think are really relevant, topics that I think are really exciting, topics that I think will um, create a sense of community here. Um, I'm super excited for this conversation today. Like anyone, have have heard the brief, have heard someone tell me that they want to go viral, they want to build something that goes viral. As someone who works in marketing and advertising, going viral and beating the algorithm has become sort of the task at hand. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting when uh, my guest today and I first crossed paths last month. I was like, oh, man, we should totally have a fishbowl session about this, talk through um, uh, their expertise, talk through sort of what uh, they think about our topic. Um, and so here we are. Here we are. Um, so before I introduce them, I want to just tell you a bit more about myself. My name is Aria. I'm coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Um, my day job is I am an experiential producer at VML YNR Commerce, um, working predominantly on Coca-Cola, doing large-scale events for them all across the country. Um, my gay job is I am, as I said, the programming director for Do The Work. Work is spelled W-E-R-Q. I encourage you to please look us up, um, queer or otherwise. We would love to further our network and introduce you to the work that we're doing. Um, I'm super duper excited to introduce um, my guest to you today. Uh, Quatemo, do you want to take a beat and just introduce yourself, tell folks where you are, what you do, and how you identify, please? Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Quatemo. I'm non-binary. I go by all pronouns. I just left San Francisco and moving and trying to get settled in back in SoCal in Los Angeles. I have over four years of social media marketing and paid social experience in corporate America, and I'm now dabbling into starting my own business and my own coaching program to help content creators become the public figures of tomorrow or the subject matter experts in the digital entertainment world. So you're perfect for this topic of conversation. I'm so excited. I want to just like preface by saying that like, I am not someone who, like, dreams of going viral. Like, that's, like, not my, like, aspiration in life. Um, But I do, like, make content on my own. And, of of course, I work with brands. But, you know, I definitely definitely have thought to myself as I've, like, made my silly little TikToks, what would it take to, like, really beat the algorithm? And then I sort of had this internal monologue of, like, what? Like, what is the algorithm these days? So, Quatema, let's start there. Can you talk through, like, the difference between where social media algorithms are now 
in comparison to, let's say, like, 2019? Yeah. So as we've seen, video consumption on mobile apps have just increased year after year after year. And I saw recently on LinkedIn that over-the-top television has finally surpassed television cable. And mobile video is just going up. And soon probably in the next five years going to surpass that as well. And where the algorithm comes into play here is that before videos used to rank up and, you know, based on engagement and watch time, but now comparing to how a lot of content creators are monetizing heavily and becoming and building their own brands and empires on these platforms itself, the algorithms have become more restrictive. So now, you know, back then you can, upload a YouTube video and make a lyric video on Final Cut Pro or iMovie and get AdSense or, you know, ad revenue from these brands by going viral because you posted a popular song. But now the algorithm is considering production quality. Do they have watermarks from other platforms? And does the copy within the the video say comment yes or no below because the algorithm's trying to rank for authentic engagement? And that's where TikTok has scored and won in the algorithm. They realized that people want more authentic engagement. And that's why these other platforms are trying to keep up and adding these restrictions as well, because they're trying to figure out how does the algorithm make someone go super viral? As we've seen on TikTok, someone can create an account or download the app, create an account same day, post a video and go viral. And it's harder to do that on other platforms because Every algorithm is different across every platform. We do see some videos across platform, but there we can talk about um, later in the conversation on those different types of viral videos. But just seeing how the algorithm has evolved over time, it's trying to match towards audiences and consumer interests versus who we follow and who we are connected to, which was what we saw with previous social media algorithms. So just to like double down on what you're saying is it's now much more about the what than it is about the who. Absolutely. So before content that used to go viral was about like who you're reaching, but now it's about more connection, right? Ever since COVID, we saw video consumption go up. So there are elements to make an, a viral video that we've seen with other videos in the past that we can tackle and break down and see how culture, how diverse creators and how the digital cultures within these diverse communities help push these videos to go viral. What I'm trying to get is like, this is really good news, right? Like I feel like five years ago, if you wanted to go viral, like you needed, for lack of a better word, a Kardashian to like be at the forefront of your campaign. Like you needed someone so famous for your campaign to go viral or for having a post go viral. Like it required like inherent fame. That doesn't seem to be the truth anymore. Like now it's more about like ingenuity and like comedy and relatability. Right. Absolutely. And I totally agree. And we can look back at viral videos that have gone viral on platforms alone and across platforms like the yodeling Walmart kid. He started yodeling at, on the aisles of Walmart. And a few months later, he is on stage at Coachella collabing with a famous musical artist who is also premiering for the first time at Coachella. So they both had their intro 
to the masses. And it's just how the authenticity of when brands see that or other public figures see something go viral, you just have to know that if you are able to connect with audiences with your videos because they're authentic, they're organic, and they almost seem like every day, then you're going to get attention from one audience and then to another. And that's how the channel marketing goes across. And that's how viral videos start connecting to other chambers. So this Yodeling kid didn't know anyone was just at a Walmart and someone was recording. And all of a sudden that made something that was shareable too. The most important thing about going viral is, is this shareable? I've worked with brands in the past and personal uh, brands with content creators who like, I want to make something that's going to engage the audience or engage this platform to go. I want to be famous and, you know, get sponsored. But what they're, the missing ingredient is, are you making content that is shareable? Like you just introduced everyone like, oh, it was such a long day. I want to like have a good laugh. I go on TikTok, on Twitter or Reddit and I find something and something that makes me feel good. Something that brighten up my day, I'm going to share it with my friends. Like I have that thought, like, LOL, I need to share this with my best friend. So really look at that first key point of, is this content even shareable? And if it is, that's where you don't need these public figures. You don't need these part these big name partnerships. You can attempt to go viral on your own by just asking yourself the question, am I connecting with people? And is this something that is going to be shared? Let me go to the other side of this topic, which is what is not working right now? Like, I think sometimes the best way to learn is to, like to see the things that aren't getting us anywhere. What do you think are some of the things that may have like outside of the like big celebrity endorsements that might not be as effective now? What else like do you see as sort of an old trope of how to go viral that is no longer useful? An old, old trope of going viral is using product features to really go up and around like a lot of people who want to go viral especially youtubers they're the best people to know how to crack the code of going viral they re- for example there's this gamer streamer named dream who i mean he had the time in the world to dedicate a whole year on what is trending across the gaming community and the way he analyzed that niche he found a market opportunity like i see people are making gaming videos about this but no one's making a video about attacking or working with the enemy and losing versus always having to win so he kind of flipped the script and went against having to work with the platform tools of like oh have a big text and this is what's going to get you found on the seo algorithm or make sure your thumbnail has this picture. He just decided what is a vibe that isn't, or an audience, a cultural relevance that hasn't been tapped into in the content world. And Dream, he saw that opportunity, he found it, he started making those videos, and naturally he started going viral. And the algorithm then caught on and said, hey, this is getting a lot of shares, this isn't getting a lot of engagement, just because he's doing his own type of content. He didn't have to depend on those tricks and tips that you see every day on other creator newsletters and YouTube email subscriber uh, newsletters that they send out as well. So then let's talk a bit about the brand element, right? As someone who works 
in advertising. I've got a lot of thoughts on this, but I want your take on the the truth of it is that like every brand wants to go viral. Like every brand, every that's that's what they want. They want to have the moment. What is your take on that? And like, does that like endless pursuit of virality, if you will, like make that phrase sort of like an empty vessel? Like, what does that mean anymore? Yes, I believe this all started with the Ocean Spray viral video. And that's when the content creator, Nathan Apodoco, put on that song with Dreams, cruising down the street, and had that gallon of Ocean Spray, uh, just setting the vibe, especially looking at the cultural relevance there. Like, this was during COVID when everyone was, there was this emotional need to feel like we belonged and nurtured and what brands miss on going viral and wanting to go viral is taking that risk on how can we connect outside of the audiences we already engage with and you know with that piece of content right there you know Nathan really connected with an audience by just saying this is me having a chill time and having a good moment after a long, stressful day. And then Ocean Spray really hopped on that bandwagon. And then I remember when the brands that I was working with, they're like, how can we set budget aside so we can hop on viral trends? How do we track this? And difficult part about going viral and every brand wanting to be talked about and getting that earned media and having that publicity is that you have to take that risk. And a good example of that is Scrub Daddy is that, dishwasher sponge that started on Shark Tank. And they really took this holiday jingle on TikTok that was going viral is more on the provocative side, but they took that risk. They said, what if we made a holiday jingle video that used that provocative jingle and they made it their own and it garnered over 2 million views. So that brand really took the risk and it's like, you know, the tone of Scrub Daddy and then the, with a the provocative holiday jingle, it just kind of made sense. And they saw that balance there. So for brands who want to go viral and, you know, they follow the trends, they're using sound bites that are trending and it just and nothing's working, do what works for yourself. And another good example of that is American Eagle. Their social team has a whole team tracking trends and on TikTok, on Instagram, on Reddit. But then they took a step back and said, let's be authentic and let's just film um, our store retail associates, you know, putting new items up or trying out these outfits. And then they realized those organic videos were garnering more and thousands and thousands of views and going viral within their little echo chambers and their communities. And I think that's the first step brands should focus on is how can... I engage with my current audiences that are those individuals that want to share our content, that want to share it with their friends. And then from there, again, focusing on that share KPI is going to help make brands go viral. And again, taking that risk to explore and really test what's working on this platform and what's not. Well, let's talk about that next step, right? Because I think once you identify the thing, then it's like, okay, where do we want to put the thing? So what platforms do you think are and I think I know the answer, but I just want your opinion also. What platforms do you think are most likely places for folks to break through the algorithm? What is What are the most user-friendly algorithm, if you will? 
like I said before, I do want to say that TikTok is the number one platform, even though it does feel oversaturated, your chances of going viral within your these echo chambers that I speak of, again, whether it's your engaged audiences or new audiences that you're trying to retain, TikTok's algorithm just surpasses any other platforms to have that unique reach to go viral. And there's also certain brands that don't like, you know, have those brand safety guidelines. And if TikTok's not a platform that you can take those risks, there are other platforms where you can go viral, like on Twitter and Instagram. Like there's still platform um, or in-platform virality that can reach users on those platforms. It doesn't just have to be TikTok, but TikTok is the leader in virality and reaching broad audiences. Okay, but let's let's just be real for a second, right? Like, can we beat the algorithm, right? This was the, qu- this was the topic of this was how to, but I need to like have a more sort of human approach of like, can we beat the algorithm? And what would that look like in your opinion? At the end of the day, when people ask me, because I get constant messages from creators saying, how can I reach new audiences or how can I make something go viral? The algorithm is a machine learning tool, right? So there are formulas that these engineers have inputted to rank engagement, to rank a certain KPI on what is considered to go viral. And because there's a formula, that's why, again, these YouTubers who have cracked the code are able to go viral. Uh, Mr. Beast, one of the number one YouTubers, put his place on the map when he knew I need to make a video on Squid Games and replicate the series because I have the production value to do it. He already had millions of views and he was already viral before that. If you even look back before that, he was making videos just like, I'm counting to a thousand. And it's like, why is this person counting to a thousand? And you you just want to share that video like, oh my gosh, look at this guy's counting to a thousand or 10,000. And then from there, Mr. Beast was just really testing and like, as a human, like, let's get real. Like he was looking on how to connect with all these YouTubers and these different audiences across the world. And if you are a brand, if you are a personal brand trying to become this subject matter expert and you want to beat the algorithm, Again, this algorithm is a machine learning tool. There is an, a, a formula, but what are the ingredients? What are the variables needed to go viral? And it all depends how these audiences perceive you. So to get really real, that's like how I come in and help coach and like, what is the brand you're trying to set and who are you trying to reach? Not every video is going to go viral, but there is going to be that chance where, oh, the algorithm sees like, you are engaging with your contacts, you are making shareable content, and it's going to push you forward. And And to be even more real, Aria, like, here's the real tea, to be honest. Like, there is speculation and arguments on LinkedIn about TikTok having this quote-unquote heat button about internal coworkers or employees having the access to boost certain videos to go viral in a way that weren't quote unquote, labeled as sponsored. So now there's this discussion like, oh, well, has anything that gone viral on TikTok, even all of it true? Like, how am I supposed to compete with that? And now there's this almost giving up that content creators kind of, I feel on the other side too, like, well, how can I go viral if 
now that I know there are employees inside TikTok choosing sometimes what content goes viral. So now there's that trick of like, okay, we can use the algorithm to go viral, but now like, wouldn't it be easier to just have that connection with that TikTok employee who's boosting these re- these TikToks or short form videos? So, you know, that's the real tea. It's like, yes, there's a formula, but also like there's these insider tools that um, other companies, which I'm sure YouTube has as well, pushing other content to make it go viral. Okay, so we can have a whole conversation about that. I'm going to table that for a second, <laughs> only because we were I, I, we could easily get into that wormhole for a while. But I'm going to table that um, because there's something that you had mentioned earlier that I think I want to resurface now, which is the risk taking um, and the sort of doing the thing that you might not have done historically because that's where the magic kind of lives. And I think someone like myself who works with brands, I know that it's very challenging to get a brand to take a risk. That's like the last thing a brand wants to do on social because to take a risk on social throws you into the, the cancellation pool. You know what I mean? Like it's just so easy to get canceled if you make a bad social video. Um, Like it's currently happening to the BAFTAs and uh, Ariana DeBoss as we speak um, about like a silly thing that she did on the award show. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I- I'm wondering how you approach talking to creators and uh, brands around like taking the risk and how you convince people to do that. Because I think that might be the most challenging part in selling like the thing that I do believe would beat the algorithm and like would go viral, but the brand would see it as like a risk and their PR team would want to like destroy us for wanting to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's reminding me of revisiting the conversations of, you know, the legal teams were my best friends and also my enemies (laughs) when I had these ideas. But when you want to take a risk, you really want to pull in someone from a diverse perspective. A lot of these brands have seen consistent revenue and engagement from their current engaged audiences. But in order to go viral, you're going to have to understand that you're going to tap into audiences that have never heard of you, never seen you at the stores they walk into. So when you when brands are afraid of being canceled, you really have to look at the diversity work your brand has done. Because <laughs> the, yes, going viral is awesome. You get that earned media, but at the same time with that double-edged sword, you're going to get stabbed by this cancel culture that can potentially ruin your brand. And that's the risk, right? That brands are always worried about. Like, what if we get canceled? What if we get canceled? And when I go to brands or content creators, like, well, what have you done in the past that supports these potential various audiences and communities that you might tap into if you want to go viral? And a lot of times... Brands just have very strict guidelines. They have their market and audience that they want to target and stick to. And that's completely fine. You know, I choose my battles and I work with brands that like to be experimental, who like to change the way we advertise as well. I think we're brands are so pigeonholed to make content that is meant for TV when on social media, kind of like this conversation in Fishbowl, you're allowed to have a little more fun. You're allowed to experiment, but 
pull in someone from a diverse perspective, pull in that marketer, pull in that content creator who does um, engage with these millions and thousands of different audiences and ask, what do you consider when you're making content? What are you looking at? What is the 360 view you see so I can make sure that this risk is going to be worth it? And that's how I help current content creators and brands with wanting to go viral and take that risk. I love that answer. I think that that's really insightful. But Kwatemo, I want to talk about queer and other diverse creators. Do you think that queer and other diverse creators have an advantage in breaking through right now? What are your thoughts on that? Because I have seen both people arguing, yes, like queer and diverse creators like totally have the advantage. And then I see other posts saying, no, like we're being silenced. What is your take on how it's going for queer and other diverse voices? Ooh, tricky, tricky question, but I love it. I love it. There are definitely two sides to this. And I think it's more positive than it is negative. Like I said, with those algorithm restrictions, you know, especially in the LGBTQ community, a lot of content creators in this community work more in those adult content um, atmospheres versus generic wholesome content right and they're getting disabled they're getting locked out of their accounts on these massive reach social media platforms and getting right limited reach now they can't go viral because their account is being blocked or they're being limited on how many they people they can follow so i do see that side of it but i think in with a bigger picture Culture comes a lot from diverse spaces, and especially queer culture can make things go loud. If we look at the number one viral video from a brand of 2022, and I think we can all agree with, if not, I'm here to debate it, is Wednesday Adams' Bloody Mary TikTok dance. You know, Netflix posted that video of Wednesday Adams with Jenny Ortega doing the dance to the Goo Goo Smacks, I think that was the song. Oh my gosh, I should have known this song. But then someone on TikTok, in the TikTok community was like, what if I put a Lady Gaga, the Lady Gaga song, Bloody Mary, instead? Because I think, again, this is the vibe. This is the atmosphere that is going to make this want to share with someone. Because the moment that video of Wednesday Adams got slapped with Lady Gaga's Bloody Mary, I saw that video and I'm like, I need to send this to one of my friends. Again, the, we're constantly being told, oh, you're too loud. Like when I would be in corporate spaces, oh, like it's you're a bit too much and showy. But on the market, like this is why I love marketing, because as queer people, we really push that culture forward. Like we helped Netflix and Wednesday get billions and I mean billions of impressions for that one video. Because let me tell you, no straight people know Bloody Mary by Lady Gaga. That is such a B-side track song that someone said, let me put this song, and it was the most viral video of 2022. I'm obsessed. It's the facts. No straight person in the world knew Bloody Mary before. It's so true. Like, no, like, and now I have my nephews. So they're like, I like they they go to um, Catholic school. But, I mean, I'm not religious anymore. But they're like, oh my gosh, this song's about Jesus. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh man, <laughs> that's a really interesting example. And I kind of want to take a beat to talk about it because. That was a queer creator who made that video. 
that song then like became a single, like went to radio, ended up charting. The entire sort of campaign for Wednesday shifted as like a result of this creator's choice. That creator is like not really making any money off that choice. That was just like this super. We're getting into it. It just like it's. Can we talk a bit about like (laughs) that moment of because I think that's part of the that's part of the algorithm, right? Like it's part of the game of when you go viral, like you. And I don't know if it's for better or for worse, but like that person's anonymity now mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kind of works against them if they want to right. potentially do more right. stuff and like i don't know how much they get to own the choice that they made that led to so much happening does that make sense yeah absolutely i i, I tried my best to like i was trying to find the origin of who posted the video but now there's so many variations i can't even tell you who actually originally posted the video um and it's interesting because we saw that time again, especially when TikTok started and that renegade, I don't know if y'all remember the renegade dance on TikTok, like what really put TikTok on the map. And they invited a typical content creators who made the content go viral. But then I think it was the Super Bowl that invited these content creators like, hey, come over and do the dance. But then the internet quickly said, hey, this isn't the person who originated the dance. We need to give credit to the child and the person of color who did this and then eventually they got the recognition so but then there's that other aspect here like why is this anonymous like queer people are targets in this country right now like legislation red states have just passed laws that saying that like drag is considered adult entertainment so when you have a queer person having fun on the internet and just putting, making a meme out of a video and then it goes viral. You know, a lot of people I've interacted with in the queer community either want to be super famous or want to stay introverted. And I feel like this case is this person just didn't want to be involved in wanting to be known or go viral because again, like, would I want to be a target on my back seeing how our community is being treated across the country? So, you know, like, Sometimes I say like, oh, we need to give credit where it's due, but maybe we have to protect the identity of this individual because who knows, maybe they're also not out. And we just don't know these backgrounds of these individuals. But, you know, I I think the crypto world is trying to figure out how to determine, oh, where's the origin source of something that goes viral with, you know, the tracking of blockchain. But, you know, we're not anywhere close to there. But the people who do go viral on the other end, do get that recognition, I think they should also be compensated. Like Netflix just benefited immensely from this content creator who made this remix. And to garner billions and billions of views is, I feel like, something that shouldn't go unnoticed. I agree. I agree. Which brings me to my next question, which is, how do you think diverse creators, no matter what the background, it could be, you know, from the disabled community to uh, the Black community, to the queer community, to any other uh, diverse community, how can they think about their content differently so that they may break through and actually have a longer and more profound impact and sort of as a content creator sort of build out their own quote unquote legacy? How do you think that we should think about it differently? I think it goes back to our roots in queer culture. Like I love, love the dance competition show called Legendary on HBO and it always opens with a song is, do you want to leave your, a statement? Do you want to leave a legacy? And I think when it comes to queer co- and diverse or, you know, 
these diverse content creators is when we live in a society that works against us, when we live in a society where rules aren't for us to benefit from, but to work harder towards, we have to use our magic, which I, in the queer community, I call them magical powers. We need to use these powers. Again, no hetero cis person knew Bloody Mary's B-side Lady Gaga song. So using our magical powers that we bring into a very, I would say, rigid world, adding, focusing on the magic you bring that you physically see in your everyday life, bring that on the camera, bring that on the radio, bring that into these talks. And that's how you can grow and build your empire by building this authentic engagement, by focusing on what you thrive in and making that your statement for whatever empire you want to build. And then from the other angle, let's say I work for a brand. Like, let's just say, you know, I work for a very large brand and I want to work with a diverse content creator because pride is coming, whatever it might be. How do you think is the best way for me to go across, like, actually the aisle and wanting to work with them? Um, I think that's something that so often I just have seen go so poorly, right? Like a brand reaches out to a content creator and it's just like, immediately a big turnoff for the content creator. Um, What is your recommendation to like brands and agencies who might be trying to bridge the gap between um, a Fortune 50 company and like a queer person who may or may not have trauma from like trying to make it in this difficult world? Yeah, from the brand side, I always, always say that queer people are starting to figure out who is being consistent and actually supporting us and who is not. So and But at the same time, like, again, with these restrictive laws and, like, limited job opportunities for people in this community, we need the, to make a bag. We need to make some coin. So there's also this, it's hard, it's difficult, because I see it as a double-edged sword where brands need to incorporate queer people, not just during Pride Month, but also throughout the year, or finding that one content creator that you think really represents your brand and acquiring them just for the year. Like, how can you contact these influential ad agencies who manage talent and asking, and or just looking on the platforms like TikTok has Creator Marketplace and Instagram, I think, is developing one as well, or still in the works for a majority of brands. And just really seeing, am I just going to use them for Pride Month and then ship them out? Or do I really want to develop a side story a sub brand on how we support audiences outside and queer people that were again when i'm listening down in the halls and the t is they want to partner with brands that actually support us and not just give us a quick cash grab so then let's talk just for a second about sort of the landscape right i think we're we're at a point right now in 2023 where i think we've seen enough virality in a ton of different verticals, right? Like I think the Bloody Mary is a great example. The ocean spray guy is a perfect example. Um, And then I, you know, I think another brand that for me at least has really worked really well on TikTok is Baboon to the Moon. I don't know if you're familiar with her on TikTok. She's wonderful. Um, But I'm wondering how you think this landscape of going viral is changing. I think how, I think it's really important in any, in anyone who works in social will agree to be able to have foresight as to like where it's going before it gets there. So please help us. How do you see it evolving past where it is now? 
And what can we do to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, if anything, it's becoming harder and harder to go viral. Something I wanted to tackle onto is, again, these echo chambers are really what helps videos go viral, right? Again, is your content shareable? Is it giving that feeling of, oh my gosh, LOL, I want to share this with my friend? And looking at what platforms are doing now, Instagram just released broadcast channels. They're realizing that there's an uptick in community engagement versus social engagement. So the job of a social media person is becoming harder because, again, how do things go viral? You're sharing them in in these channels. What channels are things being shared on? Messenger, Discord, Slack. and But these are elements and channels that social media managers don't have access to. How do we know something is being talked about on Discord? How do we know something is being talked about on Messenger, on text, on WhatsApp? We don't have access to these marketing channels where the virality is happening. So the biggest challenge for social media marketers and how to be proactive about wanting to go viral outside of these echo chambers, outside of the platform and go cross-platform and the goal to go omni-platform. So people who aren't even on social media and how my grandparents or non-digital users hear about these trends is really when I'm like, wow, this went viral because this person doesn't even have social media and they even know what we're talking about. And going with all of that and summarizing all of that is to be proactive, is really focusing on that one KPI that I mentioned earlier is the share button. Is my content shareable? How am I engaging with my audience? And we can't really measure or control these omni channels like discords and outside platforms that are controlling the vibe and the culture of a viral video. But we can, we know that these are the channels that make things buzz. So how do I get this content into those channels? So that's what, a, so as a social media marketer, I would be like, how can I make the, my content, this organic post, make it to a Discord channel, make it to an IMS, a, a group chat message, make it to a WhatsApp chat. Such a hard thing to try to do, though. It's such a challenge. It's like <laughs> the idea of like making something that then like has to be so good that someone wants to take it to Discord. It's like, oh, girl, I got a lot to do. Right, um, right. And, you know, it's challenging. What, and it is challenging, right? Like I always tell content creators, my, being a creative is hard work. It's not just, oh, I come up with an idea and like it's going to go great. You can always hear tips and tricks. Like there are three levers I always share too, like what you should consider on increasing that share button KPI. So the first one is to make it easier on ourselves is you need to focus on three things. First is your sound. What sound am I going to use on this video? The curated visuals. How do I want to set the vibe as a content creator, as a brand? Like what is the emotional map in our culture expressing in the next? And and like what's literally like what is the emotional map? right now that I'm feeling. Again, like, again, with the ocean spray, Nathan Apodaca posted it on September 2020. The emotional map was, oh my God, we just experienced our first summer in COVID. Like, it was a hellscape, as people say on social media. And here comes a lighthearted video with ocean spray with the Fleetwood Mac song, Dreams. So he chose that song. He chose the created visuals. 
And then the last part, the third part is again, like what I've been talking about is these echo chambers. Uh, Nathan has been the ocean spray video. He's been posting constantly on TikTok before that video went viral. So the algorithm, again, there's that formula was favoring his content. And finally one just connected it with everyone and just, it went viral. And if you focus on those three lovers, sound, curated visuals, and the echo chambers, that's going to make your share KPI just skyrocket and land in those channels. Can I ask you something? Because I feel like, and maybe this is going to prove that I am not a social media person. Uh, This is why I'm not on the social team. Um, I feel like four or five years ago when we were talking about this, you would have said hashtags and you haven't brought up hashtags once on this call. Talk to me about like posting and hashtagging. Is hashtagging like does, is that am I like a boomer for bringing up hashtags? I have to say yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Which is so funny because the teams at my old company would always say use hashtag, do this, which is great for yes tagging. But time and time again, you will see a video on TikTok with no hashtags, and it's prob- it has the most views for the week. It has the most engagement. It has the most shares. And because in a way, like the sound has become. Yes. More part of that, right? Yes. Okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. Yes. We're all learning yes. on the call. That's why I consider it the first level. I don't go on TikTok to look up a hashtag. I go on TikTok to look up a sound. Let, let's throw it back once more to a brand that did this perfectly. And I, I admire, I love HBO. Okay. This is just my bias. Okay. But <laughs> they did something great when they came out with the House of the Dragons. They made it at this interview with Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook and <laughs> the Negroni Spalgiate. Oh my God. I'm probably saying it wrong. But that's, I went on TikTok not to look up a hashtag not to look up the show, not to look up the public figure. I went on TikTok to look up Negroni's Bagla. Oh my God, I am <laughs> swirling my words. Um, but that is what I'm searching. And that's the new hashtag. That is when you know, is this sound trending? Like every, so- like I mentioned, social media teams are tracking sound bites to see what is trending. So that would be considered the new hashtag. Thank you. I feel like I le- I feel like I've learned something just now. And I, I feel I feel I feel a little I feel a little cooler. I feel like I feel a little bit more. Ready. Yeah, you got it on the right. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got. It. Yeah, no, now now I'm like now is and now I'm gonna go viral. Um, tonight <laughs> tonight I will break through on TikTok. Quantum, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell the folks, of course, a like what's the best place and how to get in contact with you, but also like what your services are right now, what you're looking for in terms of the partners that you're looking for to work with. Anything that might illuminate for folks how to best uh, be in your orbit and work with you? Yeah, the best way to reach me is just through my LinkedIn. I'm still working the little kinks on getting my LLC going. Thank you, Severance. Um, (laughs) So, but for now, I am taking some freelance work through LinkedIn and mainly the services I'm helping with content creators who want to build their personal brand or want to become public figures or want to become these subject matter experts. I really help provide what creator tools are out there on platforms. How can I monetize off my audiences and how do I develop and enter new audiences to help my brand, my content get more engagement. So that's really what I focus on now. And I like more on the coaching side. So I do provide um, consulting on that end. Amazing. I know um, we're running out of time. Um, I also want to just uh, shout out that I know that Quatemo is going to be on a Do the Work 
town hall that we're hosting, um, I believe, in April. Um, so I want to encourage everyone to stay close to do the work, stay close to what we're up to. Um, if you want to get closer to do the work, um, you can tap on my little circle. You can shoot me a DM. You can visit us at dothework.com. Work is spelled W-E-R-Q. You can also go to our social. Social is probably better. We're here talking about social, so I'm assuming everybody here is very socially active. Um, so you can definitely come and find us, get connected with us. Um, we will be back on Fishbowl next month for another uh, conversation. So please keep an eye out for us. Quatemo, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know that so many people probably have so many questions they want to ask you. So I hope that your inbox is being flooded. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to uh, get out from underneath all the questions at some point. But I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been super insightful. Yeah, and thank you for having me. This was a great time to share on all the knowledge I have garnered throughout the years in social media and content, working with content creators. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to Fishbowl for having us and have a great rest of your day, everybody. We will be back next month for another session. That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening to Hardly Working. Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you soon!